Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Here I am talking about Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes. It's been maybe eight years since No More Heroes 2. We haven't seen hide nor hair of Travis Touchdown in the intervening time, except for maybe the remake of the original game on PS3 and 360, but that wasn't really anything too new. That was just the first game, but with a new coat of paint. Travis Strikes Again is not No More Heroes 3. It wasn't even originally intended to be part of the No More Heroes series, but Suda51 was impressed by the Switch and decided this would be a good time to bring Travis back into the spotlight. Travis Strikes Again ultimately comes across as a crossover between different grasshopper manufacturer games like Killer7, The 25th Ward, all that kind of stuff, and it just so happens that Travis is the protagonist. The initial trailer of the game, redubbed with the in-game actors, is more or less the hook. Travis is in a trailer on his own, some jerk named Badman, the father of Bad Girl from the first game, comes over to his trailer to tries to kill him for revenge. This is now the third time that a family member of a previous assassin has come back to haunt Travis. In the second game, the opening boss was trying to avenge his brother, who was killed in the first game's trailer. Then the final boss wanted to avenge some random mooks you killed off in a side mission in the first game. I'm not sure why, of all people, Bad Girl has the relative that's going after Travis now. My guess is that the first game is more fondly remembered than the second game, and Bad Girl is one of the most fondly remembered bosses from the first game, so they just decided to give her a father. More of a backstory, I guess, too, because she didn't really have much of a backstory in the first game. She was one of the few assassins where killing was basically their entire shtick. So Travis and Badman are fighting, and they get sucked into this weird game console, the Death Drive Mark II. Badman didn't just want revenge. Before coming here, a guy from Killer7 gave him a death ball, which is this eyeball-shaped cartridge for the Death Drive Mark II. And forgive me for not being acquainted with all the other Grasshopper properties. I've heard of Killer7, I've played a few levels of Killer is Dead, and that's about all I know. Besides No More Heroes, at least. Anyway, Badman gets the Death Ball, and the Death Drive reacts to it, while Travis is fending him off, and they end up trapped in a video game called Electric Thunder Tiger 2. And from there, the two have an uneasy alliance. Travis wants to clear all the Death Drive games for the sake of it. Badman wants to do it, because clearing all the games will summon a mystical tiger who will grant his wish of resurrecting his daughter. This is some Dragon Ball stuff in here. And it's because of this uneasy alliance that the game has co-op functionality. Feels like there's a missing step or two in the narrative, but it's funny enough to think about. It certainly shows that this is a spin-off of No More Heroes, because the game lacks a lot of the staples that the first two games established. No city to explore, much fewer clothing options, no sword or health upgrades, very few returning characters, other than the grasshopper cameos. Travis doesn't even come across as much of an anime nerd here as he was in the other two games. He's more of a gamer now than anything else. 
He'll still speak Japanese at the in-game ramen stands, so I don't think that aspect of him went away, but it's definitely downplayed in favor of his love of gaming. And in all fairness, the game still feels like it's cut from the same cloth as No More Heroes, even if it's missing some of the frills. Still a beat-em-up slasher game, where Travis navigates unique environments to reach spectacle boss fights, the combat feels more simplified than before, even if the enemies have different gimmicks. Travis doesn't have his wrestling moves anymore, those are just reserved for boss finishers. What he does have, at least, are special chips that grant abilities, and you can assign them to different buttons. And it's neat how some of them complement each other. My primary setup was that I had a health restoration chip equipped, and then I would use that, and then use all the other chips to keep all the enemies at arm's length, and allow Travis to heal, because he had to stand still for the healing to take place. So, a lot of different opportunities for customization there. I think if the previous two games had something like that, the fighting would have been a little less tedious, especially in Desperate Struggle. It got a little much in that game. Each of the games that Travis and Badman explore are different from each other, though there aren't very many of them. And most of these games are about as long as a standard No More Heroes level, so returning fans will notice that this is probably the shortest game in the series. But again, it's a spin-off, so that's not too bad. Some of these levels are much shorter than others, and that's honestly a staple of No More Heroes at this point, to have at least one level that's disproportionately shorter than the rest. But in a game with so few levels, it really hurts the experience. There are seven entire levels. Level 4 is a little shorter than the other three, while level 5 is an empty corridor. But for the stages we do have, most of them have a unique spin on things. Though listing the examples would give away most of the level gimmicks, since there aren't a lot to go around. Serious Moonlight, in particular, is an odd example in that the gameplay doesn't shift from the usual No More Heroes action, but the setting is very distinctly not No More Heroes, and saying much more than that would be giving away a surprise for some of the more knowledgeable Grasshopper fans out there. Based on what I said, the twist of Serious Moonlight was really lost on me, but I imagine that those fans who do know what it's all about would be pretty excited. And no, I'm not talking about David Bowie. <laughs> In between the levels, you're required to hop onto Travis's bike and read a visual novel titled Travis Strikes Back, and it chronicles Travis's adventures in collecting the remaining death balls. This is where a lot of the story is uncovered, and it's not voice acted. Between that and some of the shorter levels, I begin to ask questions about the game's overall budget. Travis seemingly leaves Badman behind in his trailer and motorcycles all around the world with his cat who can suddenly talk now. Also, she's a jerk. Not only does Travis find these death balls, but this is also where he encounters the other Grasshopper characters. The most prominent is Kamui from 25th Ward, who goes on to be sort of like Travis's sidekick in these scenes. To be honest, I was more attached to him than Badman. I would have preferred if he were player two. Really, these scenes have some fun writing. We learn a bit more about Travis's gaming, a few of the details that happened between the second game and this one. Just plain funny visuals of Travis. At one point, he names a horse Epona and rides her to Dracula's castle to get a death ball from him. 
At another point, it's implied that Travis can swim across an entire ocean. My only real complaint is that other than getting the death balls, these misadventures are severely disconnected from the rest of the game. I, I feel like they could have been tied together a bit more, but didn't happen. On the subject of weird crossovers, it was initially pitched that Travis would invade the worlds of various indie games, including Shovel Knight. That never really happened due to the work involved, but Travis can buy a number of indie t-shirts, and you can support your favorite indie game as you slaughter your way through legions of virus monsters by wearing the right shirt. <laughs> I didn't have much familiarity with a lot of the shirts since, uh, well, let's face it, I'm a bit of a Nintendrone. But it was still cool to see these games represented. Nothing like going through serious moonlight with your Hotoful Boyfriend t-shirt. When you beat the whole game, you get a Majora's Mask shirt, and that's pretty nice. Not indie, but very nice. The Travis Strikes Back sequences slowly unravel the mysteries of the Death Drive Mark II and its creator, Dr. Juvenile. But it goes even further than that. After every level, Travis gets a fax message from someone named Kay, and he'll tell Travis more about the Death Drive and its capabilities. Except you don't have to read those. You should, though, because it adds a lot of context to the final area of the game. Of course, that makes it weird that Travis has the same dialogue no matter what, but by now I figured not to expect too much from this game. The end game is a massive gauntlet, and the final boss is honestly pretty simple. Despite the attempt at build-up, it just feels like another boss fight. It doesn't feel like a final boss. The ending is a little hard to understand, too, even with the context from the fax machines. But no matter what happens, the groundwork is set for Travis to strike back again in No More Heroes 3, whenever that will be. Ultimately, I found Travis Strikes Again to be a very fun game, for what it was. It's short and simple enough that I can see myself coming back to it to fill the gaps between bigger and better games in the future. It feels like Diet No More Heroes, but that's still more than nothing. We've gone a long time without No More Heroes, so I appreciate the game for doing that. I'm ready for No More Heroes 3. Come on, Suda. Don't keep us waiting 13 years for a third installment like another series did. All of this really makes me want Travis Touchdown to make an appearance in Super Smash Bros. even more than I already did. Just too bad, though, because I think Suda said that it's not likely to happen. Who, who knows? Maybe there could be a surprise. Maybe he could be trying to trick us, but I'm inclined to take his word for it. One thing I've learned in the Smash Bros. fanbase is that you gotta start taking developers at their word a little more often. Otherwise, you get lofty expectations that, frankly, will never be reached. The music for No More Heroes, to get into today's favorite songs, was performed by a bunch of new people. DJ Abo and DJ12 did two of my favorite tracks, the first being Travis's trailer. It's this cozy steakhouse guitar rendition of the classic No More Heroes leitmotif. It feels good for unwinding between levels, and it's one of the few instances of returning music in this entire game. Travis Strikes Again is pretty divorced from the other No More Heroes games in a lot of ways, so I'll take any continuity I can get. 
This played in almost all the levels in the first game, little less often in the second game. It's more or less the No More Heroes theme. In fact, I think the original rendition of the song is even called NMH. Second favorite song is the boss battle theme for Brian Buster Jr. at the end of the Coffee and Donuts game. A lot of the boss themes didn't stick out to me too much, at least not on a first listen, but this one felt like something out of the original No More Heroes, so that familiarity went a long way for me. It made me feel like I was back in the other games fighting one of the assassins again. The bosses in this game aren't quite as memorable as any of the assassins from the first, or even the second game, and that's kind of saying something, because the second game's assassins were considered a bit of a step down in most ways. Granted, the whole game is just kind of no more heroes light, as I've said, but still wish the bosses had a little bit more going on for them. For what they are, I, I suppose they're okay, but still... Brian Buster Jr. wasn't even one of the more creative bosses, I just liked his music more. Third favorite was performed by someone named Doramaru. Could be a, a band or stage name, I didn't look it up. The song title is in Japanese. It translates to Cold Rice. It's a really slow, melancholic piece. While I usually prefer more energetic music, sometimes a song like this will stick out more. It plays in the hub area of Golden Dragon GP, in between all the action parts of the stage. By this point, the Black Dandelion DLC has been released, and against my hopes, it's simply the option to play as Shinobu in levels, instead of Travis or Badman. I never played as Badman, so Shinobu was the one who kind of helped me experience what the game is like when you're not playing as Travis. First thing I notice is that experience doesn't carry over. You can level up your character, but it's only that one character. So I've been leveling up Travis. Shinobu is a weakling in comparison, and I suppose Badman would be too. Travis's skill chips don't carry over to the other characters either, even in single-player mode. So playing as Shinobu for a few minutes was pretty neat, but I wasn't too attached, especially because I kept having such a hard time with all of it. Seeing unique dialogue for the non-Travis characters in the cutscenes was pretty neat, but if I wanted to see it all, I would have to play the game again more times. I'd have to play it again as Badman, also as Shinobu, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to do it again as Bad Girl if her DLC is anything like the Shinobu DLC. Uh, I, I guess it's spoilers to say that Bad Girl does come back alive, but it's advertised in the DLC, so I'm not really sure where I stand with that. Like, I, I can't really hide that. It, it's in the... I, I opened the box, and it was there in like the little flyer for the DLC that she would be the character for one of the DLCs. <laughs> Way to go, guys! I don't know, maybe it'll be a little different, and I, I'm not saying the details behind Bad Girl's Resurrection or anything, but it is kind of disappointing overall, the DLC. You do get another visual novel segment called Badman Strikes Back, and it goes into his backstory and some of his connection to Bad Girl and the overall plot of the No More Heroes series. 
There's even a remix of Bad Girl's Boss theme from the original game, which I believe to be a fan favorite. Probably part of the reason why Bad Girl herself is a fan favorite boss, and why she was selected to have a father coming to seek revenge. I guess while I'm still talking about Bad Girl, uh, yeah, her boss theme was pretty cool, and it was kind of fun seeing how crazy she was. I, I didn't really have much of an attachment to her. I didn't actually get a chance to play the original game, so I never even got to fight her. But I'm sure fans of the series are pretty cool with her being back. I will say, on the subject of her resurrection, what they do with it is actually pretty hilarious. I won't go into any of the details, though. You really have to see it for yourself. But I will say that when you do see it, just know that they got the same actress from the original game to provide the voice here. That's all I'm going to say on that, though. All the actors from previous No More Heroes games have returned for this one, so that's pretty cool. They got Robin Downs as Travis Touchdown. He, he just makes Travis for me. He, he's got to be the voice of Travis, and I think even Grasshopper realized, due to the fan outcry, that they have to have Travis voiced by Robin. Probably one of my favorite voice actor character alignments that I know of in recent memory. I will also say that uh, Kimberly Brooks coming back to voice Shinobu, her voice is a little different from how she voiced Shinobu in the past, but I like that because Shinobu is younger character than Travis, so she's had time to grow up throughout the series. I guess I guess if you're fans of Steven Universe, you can also get a giggle out of the fact that Shinobu is voiced by Jasper. So, she's got that going on for her. Not much else to say about the game, though, at this point. It will be April before they release the Bad Girl DLC, Bubblegum Fatale. I don't know what Bubblegum has to do with Bad Girl at all. She was more into beer than anything else. I believe you will play as Bad Girl in the same vein as being able to play as Shinobu. I haven't seen anything that suggests one way or the other. Not too sure what to think about it either. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit interested in that. Kind of makes me wonder about the possibility of resurrecting other assassins throughout the series. That doesn't really seem to mesh with what the series is all about, but it's fun to see familiar faces, at least. I know they brought back Destroy Man in a pretty weird way in the second game, after he died in the first one. So with the Mario game, Kingdom Hearts, and Travis Strikes Again all conquered, gonna say it. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, the next episode should be one I've wanted to do for about a month now, I'm going to be teaming up with Philip from bits 62 and 63 about Octopath Traveler, and we're going to talk about Mother 3 in a multi-part episode. Get ready for Mother 3 March on the BitCast. We've already recorded it, I just need to edit it, and I didn't want to put it right after Earthbound because that episode went on too long, so I felt needed to put some time between them, and then Kingdom Hearts came out, we talked about that and didn't want to talk about too many RPGs right next to each other, so finally got to talk about Travis. This is a little bit of a look behind the scenes at why I decide when to talk about episodes at certain times or not, but yeah, 
Coming up next, Mother 3. Unless something happens and I can't or won't. Who knows, but that's the plan for now. You want to keep up with that? Then be sure to follow the BitCast on Twitter. You can also follow the show on Podcast One's website and app and on iTunes. And with that, I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.